Hello and welcome to the podcast, Ambitious Audacious Women with ADHD. I am your host, Katie Stibbs, and I help ambitious women who think differently simplify the big three, which is love, work and well-being, so they achieve their version of happy success. We are here to share stories, strategies and chat about our beautiful minds. So if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and download the accompanying strategy guide at katiestibbs.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast and I am absolutely thrilled to have this wonderful guest on this episode because she is just a powerhouse of energy and warmth and you feel like she's just really really honest and I love that in um, in people and it seems to be a trait in lots of women with ADHD which absolutely love their kind of authenticity. So this lovely woman it goes by the name of Lucy Small. She is an entrepreneur. She is a DJ. Um, sometimes uh, she is the owner of Yoga Music Flow. So you know she holds brilliant classes. She's got a great vibe, great energy, and I think, and we'll talk to her about it because I know really not very much about yoga. Um, but I think it's a mixture, a fusion of all of lots of many different yogas, vinyasa, hatha, dynamic flow. Um, and she's an avid meditator and uses meditation in her work as well. She hosts brilliant retreats. I have yet to be on one, but I would love to. But many of my friends have been on her retreats and they say they're incredible. And they're around the world. And then she does day retreats here as well. So Without further ado, Lucy, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) Now, obviously, you're on this podcast because, and we've had this discussion briefly, um, that you pretty much know, like all the women that I speak to um, on here that you suspect you have ADHD. Yeah. Can I ask you how you kind of came to that conclusion? Well, somebody actually asked me probably about 12 years ago now, um, ADHD, and it was, wasn't really talked about much back then. And I was a bit like, okay I have heard of that and then I looked it up and I was like oh my gosh that's me (laughs) um and I didn't do anything about it (laughs) just as like okay Mm. um and it was about five years ago I went to a GP um not long after my brother had been diagnosed with ADD without without the H yeah um and he said to me, you know, you really should go for an assessment. Um, you've definitely got ADHD. I know somebody <laughs> suggested it to you before. I think, and he said, I think our dad had it. I mean, my dad, <clears throat> yeah, my dad was a pilot, a strawberry farmer, a gold minder, uh, <laughs> a diamond smuggler. I'm not joking. And um, flew for about four different airlines, had his own pilot school and died at the age of 70 or 
two, I think. And he was still flying all around the world. <laughs> oh, my God. He sounds incredible, was he? Um, he was a really interesting character as far as a father. <laughs> he was <laughs> great. Uh, yeah, I think he was really extremely high on the spectrum mm -hmm. for ADHD. Um he was he was not ever there, like literally, physically or mentally. <laughs> really? Challenging. But um yeah, so I, it's definitely neurodiversity is definitely in my family. Um and yeah, so about five years ago I went to GP who I mean, I have mixed feelings about this. At the time, he said to me, how are you managing it? If you think you are, how are you managing it? And I said, um, through yoga, meditation. And he said to me, well, I'm not sure if you are ADHD. You haven't interrupted me so far. And I thought, every part of me really wants to interrupt you right now but I wasn't because you know I've kept saying to myself don't interrupt him don't interrupt him don't interrupt him and I didn't even say that to him at the time but he kind of convinced me that I didn't need and I was managing okay and he asked me at the time would I take Ritalin I said probably not at the time and he said, so I don't really think you need this assessment. And I was like, oh, OK. And he sort of made me feel sort of empowered as if to sort of like, oh, I'm coping. I'm all right. And then I sort of went away and was like, OK, with that. And then a year or two on, I was like, no, I really want to know. And, you know, again, it's like the nature of this, the brain with <laughs> if you've got ADHD, it's like getting a doctor's appointment and following up that doctor's appointment and not missing that doctor's appointment <laughs> is like this huge feat. And I finally managed to get myself there. You know, this is like seven years after it being suggested. Um, yeah. And then having been said, you know, you know, told kind of, I, I don't know if this is necessarily something you should do. I just was accepted it and went away and I kind of kicked myself for not going actually no I just really want this assessment because I would have been seen by now yeah and as we know like you know the wait lists are insane um so I have considered going down the private route but as you obviously and listeners probably know if you do go down the private route you're probably going to see be seen by a psychologist who can't prescribe you any medication so then you have to pay extra to go to see a psychiatrist and then you have to pay extra to be assessed to see if that medication's working for you and then you can to the NHS so it's still quite a long drawn out thing it is a lot can I just interject at that point just in my own experience because I only obviously know people that I speak to and my own experience so I went privately and um, I, you know, I got an, obviously an appointment straight away. Now, actually, the private psychiatrists are, even the private psychiatrists are filling up rapidly. Um, but I saw one straight away and he prescribed um, my medication straight away. And then we got a shared agreement with my doctor's. A shared care care agreement they're called 
and then so they are able to kind of give me my medication so right so that's that, quite slick kind of procedure very but that's slick. you saw a psychiatrist um first and foremost well, most people won't necessarily if they go private see a psychiatrist they might go to see a psychologist to do the assessment and then you have to pay additionally to see a psychiatrist so that's interesting okay yeah I've recommended him actually by Professor Tanya Bryan is it is it Tanya Bryan anyway so she he's actually the um the psychiatrist on all of the Davina McCall um documentaries on menopause but wow. he's a, he's a, he's apparently the top psychiatrist for or the top person to see for ADHD. But he was able to, you know, assess me properly and then give me and yeah. So it was slick. So maybe it's different. <laughs> maybe people get told different things from different people. Yeah, definitely. And who you see and what was his name? Doctor Michael Craig. Right. And while can, we're I ask, listening... can I ask you how much you paid? I think it was about, it's 500 and something or 600 quid. Wow, that's really good, no. <laughs> actually. Um, um, but I do know that he's fully booked up until next February. A wow. client of mine told me the other day. Also, while we're on this topic, this is really important information for people listening, I feel because I don't know whether you know this and I'm, I'm trying to find because it's the name of it that escapes me, but you can actively request going to a different jurisdiction area um, for your ADHD uh, medication or diagnosis. It's called... Psychiatry uh, UK? no no it's it's from the government it's it's right to choose or something yeah. like that yeah 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 this is it okay. right to choose psychiatry uk so um what happens is when i went five years ago that wasn't a thing yeah. i then left it a couple of years and then um the first lockdown i think you know i started to really note like you know things are highlighted aren't they i guess um yeah. what could you mind me asking what things were highlighted for you in that time um I guess my kind of addiction to social media went through the wall um yeah. in lockdown like it did for a lot of people anyway it's addictive yeah. um but also when you um it's that swings and roundabout because you've got this extra time you're not cramming yourself full with um uh things so in a way that space was was actually quite welcomed in those sort of longer walks and more times for that which you know that kind of yeah moving meditation if you want to call it that for ADHD is great um but also just this kind of like um my PMT I was really noticing was going through the roof yeah it might have just been coincidence it might have been the fact that um I was noticing it more because I had more time yeah. uh, and awareness around it. Um, or it could be an age thing. And then I started to write a lot of parallels between my ADHD tendencies and PMT. Yeah. Um, and then I started seeing an old counsellor. I've had sort of battled mental health stuff on and off 
for years yeah. and I started seeing my old counsellor because I I, just, I I really needed to do that mm-hmm. and I mentioned to her and I'd mentioned it to her in the past about you know do you think that I might have ADHD and interestingly her her husband had just been um diagnosed with ADHD so she had a really really good understanding of it and she's a psychologist herself though she doesn't work with ADHD she'd obviously researched it a lot because her husband and she said to me yeah I can't really say this to you but yeah yeah <laughs> um so I was like right I've got back on a mission right um, and I phoned back the GP and they were like right come on fill in the forms um get them in so I thought right I'm really gonna you know that hyper focus thing that you yep. get it's like right I'm just gonna do this now I'm gonna do it so I printed off the forms and not didn't do it electronically I thought this was a good thing <laughs> and I hand wrote all the forms and I took them in in an envelope and I hand delivered and thought right there's nothing that can go wrong here and then I forgot about it and then months on I was like what's going on with that and then I remember phoning them up and they were like uh um not sure let me let me let me have a look and I'll come back to you nobody came back to me go through the whole of lockdown everything moves on I had a really awful incident with um I should have called it an incident but I had a, a very sad passing extremely traumatic passing of, of a very close friend yeah. who sadly took her own life um last year and mm. Um, it really kind of high, sparked my mental health, um, and I went I went into a very deep depression. Mm-hmm. And not long after that, I went into the GP and I started speaking to them. And I said, "Oh, just you know, as well as this other list of stuff, um, where am I on that waiting list? By the way, what waiting list? ADHD." you're not on the waiting list <gasps> oh my oh. god I, I handed in the forms they were like oh well it needs to be done electronically oh, like, oh my god like, this oh is- I totally understand that oh. you know when you're like do you know the, how hard this is and then I said well I've heard about this thing called right to choose and back then they were like oh no um I've, we've we've heard about this it's quite early days this psychiatry UK right to choose where you do it online we're not sure about it at the surgery yet. We're not accepting that, even though mm-hmm. they actually had to. And then, so I went away and they were like, look, let's try and get this this in online anyway. So I did it and I got online. So I'm on the official waiting list now. Again, I chased up a bit later this year. It's, I can't remember where, somewhere in the summer, where I was. And they said, you know, it's a, it's a long wait list. It's a couple of years but just so you know, you you can do this thing called right to choose. And I was like, oh, my God, this is what I'm trying to get. Now being um, processed through my GP for this right to choose, which is supposed to be a shorter wait list of something like six months. Um, but the irony of it is, and I told myself when you said to me, right, would you I'd be up for doing this podcast? I said, right, I've got to get these forms in before I come on the podcast. And I haven't. I haven't finished them, the new ones for the so I, and it's just I know it's ridiculous. I but. know, but you know what? It isn't because it is literally brain chemistry. And I just really I mean, I have to remind myself, and this is what I do, and this is how I work with people, but you, you know, we it's just so difficult, but other people 
that don't have um, those challenges will never kind of really understand it. It must be very frustrating for those around us. But it is just totally a chemistry. <laughs> you know, the dopamine, you're not making enough of it. You can't, you know, complete the task. Because why wouldn't you? I mean, logically, you know, we know, you know how important this is. But there's just something that just paralyzes us from many things, but filling out forms, that kind of boring, you know, that just, yeah, that those mundane, weird tasks. I know. Even though they hold so much kind of weight and importance. So I just want to just acknowledge that that isn't you or me being lazy or, you know, have a, whatever we want to counter it. And I also just want to re-remind everybody that most people that are suddenly discovering they are ADHD or realising that they probably are, um, they probably have been told that they're, you know, it's anxiety and depression Mm -hmm. because that's how it manifests because of the frustration, the the lack of knowledge, you know, from the GPs at one point, they, you know, they know more about it now, Mm -hmm. but you know, like pretty much everyone on this podcast and myself been diagnosed at various points in my life with anxiety and depression mm-hmm. um, and really severely. And this is why I'm so passionate about this. Yeah. That know, you know, our kids and that, you know, people that are seen and it's understood and it's not misdiagnosed. Yeah. Because it's just a travesty. Yeah. Definitely. And it is, you know, when I sort of say it out loud, it's 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 ridiculous, isn't it? I'm 43 now and it's, you know, 12 years ago somebody mentioned it. But because of the nature of the beast and because of un- a few unfortunate of, um, events that, you know, through yeah. whatever, it's I still haven't been seen. Yeah. Um, and we have recently paid for um, m- my son, um to have an assessment for both autism and ADHD privately mm-hmm. because he was on a really long wait list. And, you know, being a mother, I've prioritised him yeah. and financially that's where that's where the money has gone. Yeah. And that, that was necessary. Um, I would pay yeah. for myself when when I when I've got the funds to do that. But um, it's good, interesting talking to you and thinking about going privately to see a psychiatrist. I always thought you had to go down the route of seeing a psychologist and then seeing a psychiatrist and then having this long thing. So maybe, you know, that's opened my eyes up. Or maybe I'll come off this podcast and go and actually <laughs> fill in those forms. Oh, I need to try the medication so that I can sit down and <laughs> sit down and write it. Well, you know, I know we don't like taking medications historically in this country, but my goodness. You know, why wouldn't you try something that potentially could absolutely change the trajectory of your experience of life? I honestly believe that, you know, that's my personal belief. And obviously, I'm totally with you. I'm totally with you with that because, okay, I'm a yoga teacher. I work in a very uh, holistic way. I work with a lot of people that are are very um, anti-medication. Yeah. And I understand that, yes, um, uh, kind of, you know, just handing out medication willy nilly without um, trying alternative routes 
and really understanding the root cause is that's not cool. But if you have um, modern medicine, something in modern medicine that is going to help you and, and you tried the other routes and they might help to an extent, but there's something still massively missing. Why wouldn't you try that? You know, why Absolutely. wouldn't you? Um, I'm up for it all you know I'm open to it all you know and when I've had severe um, bouts of depression and anxiety in the past I've taken antidepressants Mm -hmm. I'm currently on a low dose antidepressant at the moment Um, and it's help and it's helping me right now I won't be on it for as long this time as I was in the past um, because now I understand that okay if I want to come off this I need to not drink alcohol at all. I need to really look after my body. I need to do a lot of things to support myself coming off. Whereas when I was on it in the past, I was on it for five years. My children were very small and I was drinking and I wasn't really looking after myself that well. You were just trying to survive with two little kids, you know? Yeah. And, you know, doing the yoga, eating well, um, spending time with friends, filling your cup, you know, you've got to do everything. It's not It's not just one thing. You can't just take the pill and that be that. You've got no. to do it all. Um, and different things work at different times. And I think we can become a bit tunnel vision about, right, that's it. I'm only going to eat goji berries and, <laughs> you know, meditate and then I'll be all right. Well, I'm so- yeah, absolutely. You're so right. You're so right. You need a smorgasbord, don't you? Or like a buffet of uh, tools and strategies. And, and it does change over time. And it's and it's kind of really tapping into what you need. But then also really, because ADHD as well, it's like that compulsion to just not do the things that we need <laughs> the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that can be really, really difficult. But I just, I mean, for me personally, a routine I mean, even though I balk at it, it's just over the last, I'd say, five years, really. Um, that's really good for me, even though I don't want to, you know, don't really do you know, I med- you know, like you, I meditate every morning or do a journey or something before my kids wake up because I need it. Mm-hmm. I need it. I want it. And now I, I don't. It's not a chore. It's a it's a I want it. I desire to do it. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, because it helps me so much. That's the point. I'm not doing it to be virtuous. I'm just like, it really helps me. No, and I I dip in and out. And I've got to admit, at the moment, I literally just said to somebody, meditation practice has slipped. When I was getting up every morning before the kids, I was feeling amazing. At the moment, I'm just popping it in here and there. And it's okay, but it's not the same. So that's a reminder for me to get back to that because, you know, we're just talking about 10 minutes. We're not talking, you know, I mean, obviously 20 minutes would be amazing. No, 10 minutes will do, but it's also prioritising you, Mm -hmm. you know, because I can hear that you put yourself last a lot of the time. I think we we do. We all do as mums and, you know. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's so, so important. What does yoga do for you? And for your clients and everything, do you think? What's the main, I know everyone's different, but what would you say? Well, since I was 20, I discovered yoga and it was literally like this, this amazing moment. Um, I, I was just like, oh my God, this is it. I found it. This is the thing. 
this is the healthy way for me to get out of my head to stop the constant narrative the thoughts mm. the dialogue the chatter the the incessant n- noise you know um without you know looking for those other things that, that a lot of people you know with ADHD do look for a friend of mine runs a rehab and she says that about 90% of the people in the rehab of ADHD yeah. yeah so we self-medicate absolutely yeah <laughs> and you know that, that's another thing you know we were talking about medication earlier it's quite funny because I do find a lot of the time the people that self-medicate are the ones that don't want to take the legal medication I know, I know. it's the, the irony the irony just always makes me laugh so and I've been there I had a massive stigma about antidepressants I had a huge stigma I get it you don't want to feel like especially mental health that you can't cope without that um and even at sort of like going to counseling for the first time I remember thinking oh my god now I'm like love it I'm all over counseling god you know um and I just think that I know a lot of these things we put we put this barrier up ourselves don't we we like we can't do that we can't do that but you've you've You've, you've got to try these things. But yoga was the thing for me. It was like, okay, this is good for me. And it is clearing my mind. And back in my 20s, I did a very, very strong style of uh, yoga called Ashtanga, mm-hmm. um, which my body doesn't like so much now. I'm in my 40s. And yeah. I still have elements of that in my class. But it's quite a hardcore style. Really good for me in my 20s. Not I, I, for me personally, you know, some people would do it all the way through till they're 100, you know. Yeah. Um, but for me, yoga, it was particularly, you know, the idea of trying to meditate back then. Oh, my God, what, you want me to sit still? Are you, you know, <laughs> yoga is like this moving meditation. You become lost in the breath with the movement and you're kind of you're just wringing it all out and if it's especially the faster paced one if you're you're younger and you're listening to this I'd, I'd recommend that yeah. if you've got an ADHD tendency and then you come to Shavasana at the end and that is the meditation and I remember the first time and um, probably the first year of Shavasana hating it oh hated it what you I've got to lie there with my thoughts are you mad oh no (laughs) your mind no how can I clear my mind but like you say it's like you know with your meditation it's a practice it's like no one wakes up and can walk as a baby you don't go oh here I am I'm just gonna you know you practice you practice you've got to keep practicing yeah absolutely and also I just just because my journey with meditation and actually the stuff that I kind of more advocate and teach people now is that I never, I, not, I invite people to bring their thoughts with them, that their, their minds are never really going to be still and free and that's okay. Um, you know, so I just think the more that we can accept that, you know, that is obviously the idea of it and our minds being totally silent and brilliant and I know some people actually get to that point but very few do I feel um not totally so just accepting all the parts of us you know so even if you are getting up to to practice that it comes with whatever it comes with that day 
and sometimes your head and your mind is like off the scale busy mm -hmm. and that's okay you know yeah. and I just feel that since I kind of invited that in and and it's just more freeing and it just means you are able to practice without this kind of like oh my god I'm not doing it right oh god and you know and you just totally yourself you know and again, that is something that comes, um, I think, with practice mm -hmm. and with age as well, that, okay, I, I, I realise now, I'm like you say, I'm not just going to sit down, click my fingers, total blank, I'm enlightened, nirvana. <laughs> oh, it's not going to happen, you know, I'm not the Dalai Lama. No. So um <laughs> even though I do share the same birthday as him oh, <laughs> I'm definitely not him oh. and um but I think that you know that's something that I say in my yoga classes like even when you're lying there in chavasana which it is meditation yeah um and you're you you catch yourself thinking yeah that mm. is meditation because you've become you've become the the observer. Yeah. You you become the the witness. You're you're the witness. You're you're not the part. You're not in it for your you can, of yeah. a moment. You've yourself. And I think this is key with ADHD because I don't know about you and from but I can only speak from experience. With ADHD, um, and I mean obviously I haven't had my assessment, but I'm 99.9% convinced I have it um you have this really strong kind of negative self chat a lot of the time because you feel like you haven't quite lived up to your expectations a lot of the time you haven't completed this task you haven't done this task well enough and a lot of the time you feel like a failure and I don't know if that's just me no, no. In fact, I've got a new course. I might as well plug it here. Um, coming out. And it's, uh, yeah, it's about maximising your fullest potential with ADHD. And it's about all of the above, you know, you know, <laughs> practical strategy, but also the kind of integrating that whole kind of self-shaming that has been going on for decades mm -hmm. and being able to really kind of acknowledge that where it comes from and you know start to really kind of use the unconscious mind to 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 kind of integrate that as part of our experience because I mean my experience of you know people's sense of imposter syndrome self-shaming not having so bright and so full of life but yet not feeling that they're living into their fullest potential yeah is is just a again just a, a such a shame and it is a shame but i think that is where meditation is so important a form and when what you've got to remember with meditation just like yoga which yoga is a moving meditation is that it comes in all shapes and sizes so one size does not fit all you need to try different types for me yes. i like guided meditations yes. sometimes i like to Sometimes I have to move, do a moving meditation or walking meditation. You know, you switch it up, you find something that suits you. But when you get those moments of awareness, I'm thinking, you tune into that, you take it off your, you know, your meditation cushion or your yoga mat into your day. 
And then you think, okay, I'm walking down the road. I've had that negative thought. I've become aware of the negative thought. Where's that coming from? Is it helpful? No, let it go. And it's like a constant kind of practice for me. Yeah. I've gone down. I'm doing that again. I'm doing that, <laughs> that self-berating that, yeah. oh, it's, you know, I remember yeah. a friend saying to me, do you want me to just get you a big stick and you can just whack yourself around the head with it? <laughs> Yeah, you know what? But Lucy, like this is so like universal with this kind of brain, you know? Um, and it's also kind of we've tried to fit ourselves into boxes, you know, shoes, you know, size, I mean four shoes, we've got five, seven feet. Um, <laughs> all of our lives, you know, trying to fit into this idea. And and, and obviously because we didn't know what was going on either at that point. It was just like, oh my God, what the is wrong with me? Like why can't I do these simple things and why am I so hard on myself and you know yeah definitely (sighs) go on sorry I just think you know awareness of that and talking about it to people that understand is so important isn't it because then it becomes a little you know you feel ah ah you know that's why I love your I really love your podcast because it just makes you feel a bit more normal yeah yeah (laughs) yeah it does because Like I said, all of the people that I adore and really think the most highly of have actually got ADHD. (laughs) So, But we forget our brilliance and our different ways because we just only see the bad stuff and the the stuff where we we feel we fall short. Mm -hmm. So I just think celebrating like who you are, who we are, what we've managed to achieve despite and because of it is so important definitely so can I go can I go back and ask you about your um kind of childhood so you I think you were brought up in London weren't you um I was actually um born in creepy Crawley as my mum calls it sorry sorry if you're from Crawley you're listening (laughs) West Sussex or Surrey borders grew up in Hawley because my um my mum and dad, when they were together, my dad was a pilot and my mum my was an air hostess. So I, sort of a lot of cabin crew around there. And then I and I moved to London when I was uh, 19 and spent um, a few years there, then went travelling, yeah. then came back, then went travelling, then came back um, and um, Ended up there for about seven years before moving to Brighton about uh, 15 years ago. And weren't you a music journalist? I was when I was in I was in London. So probably about for about just under a decade, I was a music journalist. And um, I just think that is just so exciting. Like when you say that, I'm just like, oh, my God, I could not yeah. think of it. <laughs> You know what? Um, it was it was exciting at the time. It feels like such a long time ago. I mean, it was a long time ago. Now I, I, I finished that. And so, so how did that? So how did that happen? Um, so, I mean, this is why I know that they talk about your like your life history, and they ask you lots of questions when when you have your assessment. <laughs> um, and I've had a, a million and one jobs, and I feel like teaching yoga I really feel like I'm I've settled now finally and yeah. it has that routine but you know in uh when I was younger <laughs> I, I didn't know what I wanted to do 
uh, I dropped out of college. I did a random course in travel and tourism. I think my mum thought that was a good idea because she'd been in that world, didn't like it. She said, right, you know, you're not sleeping around in my house all day. Get yourself a job. Carted me off to a pub, got me making pizzas in a pub as a random fill-in, then did some admin, then went travelling, then came back, then did some admin, then got a job with some friends working on super yachts in Miami, as you do. Oh, as you do. As you do. (laughs) As you do. Um, went out there, got a job cooking for um, the fifth richest man at the time in America on his kind of very casual yacht. Uh, mm. He had this very posh other yacht with a cordon bleu, you know, just real casual shepherd's pie cook role. And um, at mm. the time I was really into, I've always been into music. I mean, really kind of, been into clubbing and been into music making mixtapes and talking about this dj and that dj and wanting to know who made that track who produced that track always looking at the the credits of an album wanting to know oh you know did some who played the flute on that really story can you you play and can you play instruments can you make music dance music no, I mean, I played the piano a bit when I was younger. I did a, a sound engineering course as well at one point. <laughs> um, I love it. I, just all over the place, I know. So I have yeah. got an interest. Probably I'd like to, th- I'd love to be more musical than I, than I am. But I really, really appreciate really good production um, and all the work that goes into it. But I also really love the story behind um the people that make the music so you know I used to buy all the magazines that used to really you know story behind the music so there's always been that and English was my favorite subject at school and I excelled in that because I loved it um got an A in that and you know failed lots of other subjects (laughs) that I didn't have any interest funnily enough me too A in English failed other subjects <laughs> and I bet your school report said it did, you didn't work to your full potential. Yeah, absolutely. And did you get easily distracted? <laughs> well, I was kind of, I went under the radar totally because I was dancing all the time and missing whatever. And I got A's in all of the like creative subjects, art and um, in both Englishes and history and rah, 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 and then failed science maths and <laughs> sounds very familiar very familiar yeah so I, I had this love of English and when I was away traveling I um really got into hip-hop and I was going to these amazing clubs in the early uh noughties in Miami and New York and I was like seeing people like Buster Rhymes like just come into a club and start freestyling it was a really special time and there was a kind of like Dr. Dre album had dropped and you see these people and I loved the music and I I used to write these emails home that were like you know like I'd had a a feather and a quill because email when you when it first (laughs) came out it was like you used to write like a proper thing yeah so if you're sort of in your 20s you're what what you're talking about you're listening to this 
it used to be really like that. Well, I don't know, for me anyway, it was like, dear so-and-so, I am here sitting on the beach. And it was like a letter. Yeah. Um, weird to think about that now. Um, but yeah, back then I used to send these emails home kind of to this little group of mates and tell everyone what I was up to. And a friend of mine, he worked in A&R. He was really into music and he was asked to um, write for a little magazine, an underground magazine, dance magazine about reviews and when I came back he said look I really loved your emails I used to wait for them like when they're going to come in the inbox is so you you can write really well and you know your music why don't you write for the magazine they're looking oh, for I've got goosebumps listening to that I just love it <laughs> and I was like oh, oh I don't know about this I don't know about this and actually I've just remembered as well so I had a friend that was a DJ a female DJ and um, this was all at the same time. Came back to London. This one guy, his name is Pipey, was telling me, you know, you need to do this. And then my friend, who was a DJ, and she went by the name of Emma Feline. Um, she was doing really well. And I'd seen this advert in, or uh, like a thing in Cosmopolitan magazine. And it, and it was this uh, Women of Achievement Award. And you could write in and nominate somebody for doing something in their field that a woman hadn't done before yeah and she was playing music on the garage scene and she was DJing or dominated scene um and she was doing really well and it was like you had to write 2,000 words about why they were doing well and I thought oh, I'll give this a go so he was saying this at the same time you should um you should write and I was like oh I don't know I don't know and then I thought right I'm just gonna do this and so I didn't tell her and I just sent this thing in and next thing you know, she'd been nominated, like she got through and she was with me back then, like, I don't know, someone like, um, oh, what's her name? Melinda Messenger. I don't know what she was doing, but she got through. There were some like quite famous people that got through in different categories. Um, at the time, I think I was like, can't write 2000 words. That's such a lot of words. And I, you know, overwrote and then had to edit it down and anyway she won she won in music and arts she got through oh my god can I just make something <laughs> can I just highlight something here so you and this is like so typical so we can't fill out our doctor's forms that we can <laughs> write 2,000 words about somebody else secretly to get them nominated for a prize I just love that <laughs> It's, it's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, it's great, but it's great. like, God, just fill out the form, man. I know. <laughs> oh my God. So she got, she won in her category and things went really well for her after that. Um, she was already doing well. And then I was like, okay, well, maybe, you know, I, and I heard what I'd written and she was like, my God, this is amazing. And I, Pipe was a mutual friend. He's right. You need to write. So I sent off this idea and I went in gung-ho, you know, not going to just put, oh, let me review this album. I want to write about uh, the gun violence on the garage scene, <laughs> <laughs> underground <laughs> gun violence on the underground garage scene, um, and put this idea forward. They accepted it. Then I freaked out and thought, I don't want to put my name to that. What if somebody thinks, you know, what if somebody... Oh, finds you and stalks you and, and, and assassinates you. Exactly. So it's like, right, I'm going to change my name. 
now like, oh, I don't know, what am I going to do? I just put my initial LJ small, which that you know, Lucy Jane small, and the letters. Yeah. And I thought, no, I don't want to just have the letters there because I want people to realise I'm female. They could think I was a man. So I changed it to L E double L E. So if you Google somewhere on the internet, there'll be some articles that oh, I wrote. And I went on to write, then I did that and it snowballed. I was kind of probably in the right place at the right time, but also that that like uh that driven, that that kind of uh, that yeah. desire where you're just like, right, I'm gonna do this now. And I went on a mission and I made a career out of it. And I'm, I was fortunate enough to travel around the world I went on to interview people like Janet Jackson Mariah Carey um it was insane really oh oh my god this is just a perfect example and there's you walking around berating yourself in your mind and yet (laughs) you've totally absolutely rocked it where people would only dream to tread or to go or to even think that they could do it and you've just gone full in and just gone for it. And that is the superpower of ADHD that we need to bloody celebrate. That is incredible, Lucy. Oh, thank you. I mean, God, I never handed in one piece of work on time ever, by the way. Well, <laughs> I was a journalist. <laughs> you didn't care because it was so brilliant. Oh, my God. My editors used to be like, oh, you have, you're, you're now two days late we're about to go to press like this was in print days as well and I always knew in the back of my mind that they'd always tell me that they needed this deadline before they did (laughs) and so yeah it was a nightmare but I you know I did get it in eventually at the 11th hour you know always do your kids know about all this yeah they they do I mean it's a it's a lifetime ago but they do uh, sometimes we'll be watching tv and i'll be like you know i interviewed him it'd be like i don't know nas or pharrell williams or something and that gives me a few kind of like gold stars and kind of kudos points especially yeah, with my 15 year old who's into hip-hop um now so Oh. But yeah, and it, it does feel like I'm, I do miss writing. Actually, I mean, I, I, I probably I, I'd love to write a book one day. I really. Oh, would. you you must write a book. I'd love to one day. But, um, I'm sure we'd all like to read it. I'm serious. I mean, just that chapter alone, like, well, it's half a book, <laughs> isn't it? Or maybe your book. Seriously, that honestly. And so, so what did you do after that? Then, I mean, <laughs> crikey, what comes next? Well. I so I did that for quite a long nearly a decade and then I became pregnant with Frankie my my first and um that the whole lifestyle I mean that was so that lifestyle was completely you know I was freelance I didn't work anywhere I remember like for a little while um covering uh, on the news desk desk for Mixmag and going in and doing almost a nine to five and that was sort of the first proper nine to five job I'd ever really had apart from a bit of admin here and there and but the rest of it it was just you know all I mean I'd be writing till two o'clock in the morning and then they'd phone me and say could you fly to America next week and go and interview so and so yeah off you know it sounds like the perfect job for an ADHD brain definitely and exciting and you know um, but 
you know, with family, yeah, that's yeah. really, and we moved, we moved out of London when I was pregnant to, to be nearer to my mum and to be by the sea and just, I needed to get out. We, we wanted to, we both wanted to, felt like it was time to get out of London. Um, and, was and, that, and was that a massive transition or did you naturally kind of like flow into that or was it hard to make those changes? I mean, we did what we did. Uh, it was really hard, the reality. When it's when I was pregnant and we were all like, oh, this is so exciting. We're moving to Brighton. We, you know, we, we looked. It was a really hot summer. We moved in the summer and it was great. And, you know, and then um, after Frankie was born, I did. I mean, I was still doing a little bit of work, but I wasn't in London. I couldn't just drop everything and go and interview so and so and my finger wasn't on the pulse anymore I mean mm. I was re my finger was really on the pulse I wrote about people before they were signed to record labels like Dizzy Rascal and people like that and you know I I was on it and you're not on it when you're a mother yeah. you, yeah. you know you're in Brighton it's not the same no and so I went to sort of doing album reviews and doing and writing bios or doing like a QA and a on the phone, which still would have been really exciting. But compared to what I'd done, it just wasn't the same. And then I realised it, it, it was really hard to try to do both. Yeah. Um, and then we had another baby and then I was full time mum for quite a while. Yeah. Uh, how did you find... Um you know, being a mum and looking after children, because I found it extremely difficult. I did. I'll be honest with you, it was really up and down. Like, I was super fun mum, and yeah. then all the kind of, like, the routine and having to get the baby to sleep. You oh. know, I remember oh. I had no idea about, you know, I did, I'd never changed a nappy. I didn't know anything about babies. I remember like my no. neighbour going to me, she kind of come round for like a drink and my youngest, it was like 10 o'clock and this little tiny baby was just like sat up with us and she was like, are you going to put the baby to bed? And I was like, oh yeah, I suppose I should. And then I remember thinking, right, what time do babies really go to bed? Okay. <laughs> you know, like, oh my god and this is why it's his, his sleep's all over the place and uh, yeah okay right well, okay I need to get to the routine and at first the routine it oh my god it, it drove me mad and actually yeah. if I'd have probably known back then that I was ADHD and if I'd have realized that putting routines in place for myself would have been helpful before yeah. I became a mother I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more yeah I there was moments I enjoyed enjoyed all like you know the good bits the fun bits the, the smiles and the yeah I was like that fun mum in a soft play that was yeah like, jumping out down with the, with the balls and everything yeah yeah I bet you were as well yeah. weren't you yeah, yeah. exactly well, that's where I think it's great having an ADHD mum do you know what I mean just yeah. that, like but actually, then all the other stuff, like, oh, my God, I don't, you know, that red book that you had. And I don't know where those red oh, books Oh, no. Are. Where's your red book, Katie? Um, <laughs> I, I don't know where it is. <laughs> no, I can't remember any of that. I, You know, and I, I really struggled. I really struggled with the this transition of, I mean, God, of being a music journalist in Hackney to then being a mother of two in yeah. Brighton and Hove and it took me quite a long time to find my my feet with it all 
Yeah. Um, I did have depression when they were younger. I yeah. don't know if some of that was hormonal, some of it, some of it was um lifestyle change. Um, I think it was a lot of things. I think yeah. it was stuff from childhood I kept I I had this really strong I don't know about you I had this very strong feeling when they were younger that I was a bad mother I was not good enough oh gosh absolutely 100% I felt like I was failing them all the time yeah and you know I wish I could have I wish I could go back and and you you can't you can't go back you can't but I do to to just know like you're doing your best with the tools that you've got yes um and done with love you know with love and with fun and you know my kids say to me because I still kind of sing and I'm really kind of silly and childish probably most a lot of the time and they actually even though they get embarrassed I know they secretly love that yeah. And they'll look back your kids and they'll remember the lovely fun mum or and everything's done with love, you know. It might not be how other people might deem it to be like the right way or you know, their set of rules, but you know, at the end of the day, we're doing the best we could. Definitely. But yeah, it was a hard transition. I I'd, I'd fallen into kind of organizing events um towards the end of like my music career in London um and I mean again that story's bizarre I remember like I'd gone out to Brazil to write about um a music scene out there and I'd met somebody in the music industry out there and I'd gone out there on a press trip and halfway through the press trip she'd said to me I really want you to kind of like she had nothing to do with the press trip at all I was out there interviewing this other band it was something to do with Amnesty International mm-hmm. um it was um and I was with other people from Days and Confused and the BBC and I've met this woman Adriana Pittagilli I think that was her name <laughs> Italian that lived in Brazil and she said to, I'd met her I don't know how I god knows how I'd met her but she was going to me oh, when you finish, you know, come come and interview some of my DJs. And I was like, I'm flying back to London soon. And she was like, why don't you extend your, your trip? It's like, I've got nowhere to stay. She went, just, just come and stay on my sofa. All right, then. So I remember, like, the look of all these other journalists, like, what on earth are you doing? I was like, I'm just going to, I'm just, I'm just going to phone up and see. I'll just pay a bit extra. I'll change the date of my flight. Where are you staying? This person said, do you know them? Oh, she seems really nice. Yeah. Oh, I totally, yeah, yeah. And so I did, and I went into the favelas in Rio, like <gasps> in the city of God. Wow. And I, I followed all of these DJs. I mean, I mean, totally unsafe, totally bonkers. It was safe, and it was in a yeah, one way because yeah. I was with the DJs. And when you're with the DJs in the favelas, you're really well respected because they have these things called ballets, these big dances yeah. where everyone from the ghetto essentially comes to every Friday and Saturday night. So the DJs are really like gods there. So if you're with them, you're all right. But I remember walking into the favelas past these massive sacks, sacks of cocaine, sacks wow. of cocaine, and boys teenagers young boys with uh guns strapped across their chest and that was the entrance and it was like what would happen with was like the gringos the rich um kind of or, or the downtown rich brazilians or the 
um, people that were you know, tourists would go to the entrance and they'd buy their cocaine. So you had to pass that to get in. Wow. <laughs> and it was like, wow, you know, I mean, hair and I would walked in and just, it was bonkers, oh, absolutely wow. mental. And so I came back to London and I wrote about this whole thing that was going on over there. It was called Bally Funk or Rio Funk, this underground music scene in Brazil. And then this, this woman, Adriana, kept saying to me, oh, I need to bring some DJs over um, from, I mean, thinking about it, she was ADHD. I know. Yes, <laughs> bring some DJs over from, from Rio. Do you know a music promoter? And it's like, no one knows about this music. It's like, you know about it. You'd be able to find someone. And I asked around. No one wanted to take the risk. And she kept going to me, you do it. You put on a night. I was like, I'm not a promoter. I'm not a music promoter. She was like, just do it. Go on, you can do it. And I was like, all right, I'll do it, but I haven't got any money. And she was like, it's fine. We're coming to France anyway. You just need to get us from France to, to London. You don't even have to pay us. And I was like, I literally have no money. Like, I was a music journalist. Like, you got paid so badly. And she was like, don't worry about it. We'll get we'll, we'll get on the Eurostar. We'll just come. Can we stay in your flat? Yeah. So I had these, like, DJs <laughs> and her and this MC, female MC, from the ghettos of Rio, staying in our flat and happy oh, and I thought right how am I going to build this I'll do like a, a garage like a garage grime meets uh bally funk night uh, like the you know the the ghetto music of London the ghetto music of Rio collide I put on this night oh I've got these incredible it's bonkers you know absolutely and again like okay yeah you know I took a bit of persuasion but not that much to do it um <laughs> and put on this night and remember like (laughs) um I was thinking how am I going to promote this and I was like I remember like sometimes when music PRs email me as a music journalist they'll accidentally send me their entire mailing list they'll forget to BCC and I've saved saved it a couple of times that I knew there was a reason I'd saved it so I sent out this press release and all of a sudden like all these people got on board, MTV came down, it was bonkers. And <sighs> I, I put on this night and it snowballed. And then I got asked by um, Sagachiba that make uh, cachaça, which is the, the drink in um, a caparina. It's like yeah. a, the rum yeah. of Brazil, like a, the Bacardi of Brazil, basically. They, they approached me and asked me if um, I wanted to uh put on some regular nights they'd pay me two and a half grand a week and uh I'd, I'd just get the djs in from wherever and so i did this it was bonkers it just, oh you know. i hope you look li- listen are listening to yourself and just going <laughs> oh my god because i certainly am and i know that everybody else will my god this is just brilliant i mean it is bonkers again it's that okay i can do this sometimes it's funny, isn't it? Because it's this um, this juxtaposition of like when you're in it and you've got and you think this is a good idea, you roll with it, and it's like this is a really good idea. And then every now and then you get this self doubt, and then it can just knock you for six, and that'll yeah. be it. Yeah. Um, but that back then I was like, yeah, this is going to work, and it's that real kind of self belief yeah, as well. Yeah, total conviction. So, yeah. like, what else have you got left in your tank? Because listening to this, I know that you, like, then, yeah, you're going to start erupting again soon. <laughs> Sorry. I've got, do you know what? I've, 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 do you, uh, 
those were all really exciting, amazing things that happened. Um, um, the events thing, kind of, that was at the end of London. And then I went on to to do a music and family festival in Brighton and Hove called Funk the Family and Funk the Format, which was successful for about four years. Did it all kind of um, self-funded, had other people helping me that I paid, did really well. But the the ADHD, looking back, kind of took over. I wasn't organised. I didn't have systems in place um, financially. I didn't have any kind of financial backing. It yeah. ran away with itself. I overspent. Yeah, um, I had a bad year. There was a lot of factors going against me. And unfortunately, the last one, it lost a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and it massively knocked me. I've been on this, you know, riding this wave. And again, the depression came in and it was the self berating. Why did you let this happen? Why has this happened? This is your fault. You weren't on top of it. You weren't on top of the cash flow. You overspent, you know, yeah. did, you know, all of this, this kind of, you know. Yeah, looking but, back, yeah, but the bravery and courage that it takes to just even most people would never even try. And I totally get it, you know, that because the system's weird, because it's not our strong suit. However, I just also want to say that, my God, you that was incredible to make that go for so long. And entrepreneurialism, you know, the fact that you've got so much entrepreneurialism in you and that I know you're going to learn from that, actually. And now, you know, moving forward... You're going to do, you know, there's no way you're not going to do something like that again in a different way, but also put the systems in place. It would be awful to let that stop you from continuing with this incredible, like, energy and ideas and the ability to put things together like this, because not many people have got it. Oh, thank you. I mean, I am applying that now to a much more kind of balanced career within yoga that I absolutely love and I do now get the kind of I've where I've started to run retreats and stuff I'm pulling all those skills together through yeah. you know the events planning side which you know though you know looking back at the time I thought this is bad you know da, 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 da. but a lot of it with festivals and really big events a lot of it is is um circumstance things happen yeah I think there was things like the Ariana Grande bomb back then a lot of people were very paranoid there was a heat wave people weren't drinking much alcohol there was a lot of factors yeah. that were out of my hands that yeah. it, you know it wasn't all me yeah, exactly. yeah there were it, there were some systems that I could have put in place to manage things a bit better but it, it wasn't all bad but at the time I totally blamed myself and the the skills kind of learned you know the events and the planning and the promoting and all of that I've applied I guess to the retreats that I now run as as a yoga teacher yeah so but tell me what, tell me more about that when's your next retreat have you got one planned or yeah so I'm running a, a day retreat on the 15th of January that's nearly full now um with lovely Helen Valentino who I know you know oh yeah incredible woman what a team what she's amazing I mean she's a this brilliant modern day shaman shaman however you want to say it um and just space holder for 
she she holds these amazing cacao ceremonies and I remember reading about that before and just thinking what's that that's weird what you drink a bit of chocolate and then until you've experienced one with somebody like her it's like wow that's what it is it's this this beautiful plant medicine that can open the heart um you you ask you set an intention or you ask a question and then she takes you through this guided I guess a meditation in a way um um and she oh my gosh she's she plays loads of different instruments gongs and drums and it's a proper journey into into the soul and you can really get some really strong answers I think from within and from you know she could she says mother cacao I, I I think a lot of it comes from within as well yeah um, so we're running that together that with the yoga I think is going to be really powerful because sometimes when you have these really powerful um experiences like that you get all this kind of energy in the body and it's good to shift that through movement as well so yeah this kind of twinning of those two I can imagine because actually me and you were lying next to each other doing yes. cacao I, I just forgot that for a moment I was just like oh my goodness yeah, yeah incredible incredible experience and I'm sure you'll be running more and more of those definitely be amazing and I do a retreat to France as well every year and the last um I've done three now and the last one was absolutely brilliant the last two I did two in a row um the feedback was amazing I mean I got so much out of the the people that came on the retreat myself um that they got I know a lot out of it too um just I think giving yourself that opportunity to um, look after yourself. I think as we get older, we realise that more and more, I think not even an age thing, I think people are realising that you have to fill the tank. You can't run on an empty tank. You're going to burn out. And people with ADHD in particular are really prone to burn out, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Same. Um, I've just been... (laughs) I've got I well I've booked a massage tomorrow with an incredible Thai um place called Dharma near here in Worthing I'm in at the moment and this incredible woman Bonnie so shout out to Bonnie I've only had one massage with her I just happened across this clinic it's a, a the the daughter runs the clinic and Bonnie is um just oh my god in incredible I literally she gave me a hug afterwards and she was just like I was like oh my god and I even posted on I did a thing on you know review on Google's like this is the best master I mean it's intense but oh my god incredible so I'm booked in there tomorrow lunchtime to you know (laughs) to make sure I do that because my shoulders and stuff and working so much on the computer is just like oh it's so important. I'm also an advocate of regular massage and I go again like meditation through phases with it. And I have an amazing masseur. Shout out to her, Nicola Wright at the Tree of Life. And it's funny because, you know, sometimes I feel like, oh, do I deserve this? This is very luxurious. This is yeah. very self-indulgent. Or oh, I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be spending my money on this. This is, you know, this again, this this narrative in the head. And then I'm like, come on, this is not what I practice. This is not what I preach. 
I need to practice this. This is this is what I need to do. That is so, to that is, yeah, that is so funny because I had exactly the same narrative in my head as I took a walk at lunchtime to go and book it. Because suddenly yeah. I was like, um, well, I mean, really? And I was just like, whoa, 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 Katie. <laughs> <laughs> you need, we need to do we need to do these things. We wouldn't think, you know, a thought about getting maybe like a takeaway bottle of wine, that sort of thing. Yeah. So I think you know, massage is is really good. And obviously, I know finances get in the way a lot of the time with things, but if you can prioritize some form of self care. I think it's so important for, I mean, if anyone's listening in Brighton and Hove, I offer a low income class pass that's just six pounds a class, which I don't think. Oh, where's that, Lucy? Where is that to tell everyone? Yeah, so just on my website, yogamusicflow.co.uk. I'll put it in um, the show notes as well, by the way, for everyone so they can get the links and everything. Oh, thank you. Yeah, if you're in Brighton and Hove, you can access uh, Monday morning, a Tuesday evening, and I'm about to launch a new Thursday lunchtime class. And you can take the class pass I offer, which is just six pounds. The standard one works out as nine pounds. So I just let people be honest. If you really need that one, take it. I'd rather people came um, to my classes that, that can't, can't afford it than not come. You know yeah, I mean? yeah <laughs> because, you know, it's all about nervous system regulation. And that sounds like quite a technical term, but... I think when, you know, this proclivity to have emotional dysregulation, massive emotions, both positive and negative, which I also think we need to celebrate because, my God, there's so many people in the world that are so shut down, I've I, I realised over time, that actually mm-hmm. I know, I just I said that something the other day and they were like, well, I just, I just want to be shut down and I do get that, but... You know, things like yoga with you, Lucy, and the massage all enables us to be able to regulate those big emotions. Definitely. Tapping into it. And when you become aware, like you say, I know it sounds fancy, the nervous system. And I talk about that a lot in my classes, you know, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system. And a lot of the time we are, as ADHD people, in that um parasympathetic that fight or flight and so for some people it is freeze yeah you know um and it's kind of acts being able to access the the rest and digest through things like breath work meditation taking a walk getting a massage yoga you know even yeah. becoming aware oh i'm doing that thing I'm, my heart's beating i'm grinding my teeth i'm clenching yeah. my fist okay i'm going into fight or flight what yeah. do I need to do here? Maybe I could just take a longer exhale. <laughs> you know, uh, yes. And I won't go on about the book that I that I talked about in my last podcast, but I know that you've also read it. And obviously you're such a big advocate of this anyway. But isn't the book Breath incredible at describing the power and how the difference that it could make to our lives? It's brilliant. I've listened to the podcast of it. Uh, sorry, not the podcast, the um, audio book of it as well. That's brilliant. Yeah. It's got some of the practices at the end. Um, yes, I was doing them goes... in the car this morning because I've got the audio and the book. You're so like me. You like, When you like something, you've got to get both. 
so it really goes in because you know yeah. it won't go in properly otherwise yeah yeah but um yeah he's he's brilliant and it's yoga a lot of it's yoga it's yeah. like thousands of years old yeah. but i love that his kind of modern take modern day take on it and also the science behind it it's really interesting god yeah you know, I think that really speaks to people when you can, when you say, oh, yeah, yoga, da, 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 and they might kind of switch off when you put the story to the background of actually what it really does, like, and and, and give examples of the stories and the, <laughs> and the science, I just think together, that's like, whoa, super powerful. Definitely. Anyway, we've been talking for a long time now, as we could, <laughs> I could go on for literally hours talking to you. So... Just as a final kind of question, you know, what what really going forward? Have you got any intentions in your life going forward? Is there anything that you particularly want to experience or do more of? Like, not bucket list, but kind of bucket list, you know what I mean? I think... Um... I would, you know, I I want to get my assessment done with my, yes. my ADHD. That would be good. Um, um, I think continuing. I think I'm on the. I feel like I'm on the right path at the moment. I'm quite happy. This is the most content I've been for a very long time. Oh, uh, which is really a big deal for me. Yeah. Um, teaching yoga. I feel like I found my calling. Mm. Um. I get a lot of people that come to my classes with, I believe, either diagnosed or undiagnosed neurodiversity. I teach teenagers as well. Um, and a lot of people that are either really in their heads or have perhaps anxiety. And if I can help one person yeah. <laughs> uh, a week, and at the moment I feel very, very, very grateful to be very busy with my classes and to be help, helping quite a lot of people I hope yeah. say you know, I get some good feedback if I can help them then that that is brilliant if I can you know use the tools that I've learned along the way to help me to shift you know any kind of negative energy that's in my my body or my mind if I can do that through my classes and through retreats, then then I just want to continue doing that, really. There's not enough hours in the day. I really mm. teach a lot of classes. I am hopefully going to be working with CAM soon, which would oh, be amazing. Brilliant. So that, that's, I, I'm really hoping that that will happen. We'll see. Um, so more of that, really. And Yeah, mm. I'll write the book one day. <laughs> you will write the book, and I cannot wait to read it, honestly. And I've just got goosebumps then when you were talking about cams. I reckon that's mm. going to happen for sure. Oh, this has been an absolute pleasure and a privilege, and I'm so grateful to uh, have been able to chat to you for so long. It's been an absolute pleasure and a privilege for me to be here so thank you and keep doing what you're doing you're amazing oh you too <laughs> lots of love and i'll speak to you soon thank you bye lucy oh.